0: Good morning. If we haven't met before, I'm Rob Jacobson. I get a little excited about God and about his word and about his people. And this morning, I want to start with a vision test. How well can you see? How clearly can you see? And if you are visually impaired, my apologies. The book that I got these pictures from did not have it in Braille, so we can talk about them after. But I'm pretty confident if you actually are visually impaired, you can probably see better than the rest of us. So I'm going to put a picture on the screen. You already see one. And what I want you to do is if you actually, if you have a worship folder and a pen, if you got one at the door, um, write down a word or a phrase or a sentence that you think describes this scene that you see. Can we move on to the next one? All right, so that was, that was number one. Here's number two. I kind of like this one. All right, how about number three? What is going on in that picture? Mm-hmm. It's all right if you want to talk amongst yourselves. We'll talk about them in a moment you need help and number four I actually think that one's my favorite in a sentence all right so let's go back to the first one all right anybody can uh can you can sure sh- shout some things out but there actually was a test that was done um and several hundred responses were gathered um from people ranging in age from 14 years old to 15 years old in 10 different countries. And so uh, they described what they saw in this picture. How about uh, anybody, anybody see uh, someone working in a garden? A man that might be working in a garden. And uh, how about anyone who, who saw uh, two women that were walking and a man threatens them with a piece of wood? You didn't, you didn't see that? Um, how about uh, two people helping each other do something? You know, a little cooperative effort. Um, and, oh, one of my favorite uh, a man who's digging a hole while a woman is dropping seeds in it. You, you see that? Okay, how about the next one? Who's a teacher in the room? Anybody have a hard time seeing a teacher or an easy time seeing a teacher reprimanding a student, holding a briefcase and, as, the, as the weapon of choice? Um, or, or, or a businessman talking about um, and pointing out the strange headpieces that the other people are wearing? Nobody? Um, a boss giving instructions to his employees or her employees? Uh, a preacher in a church, someone wrote. I don't know. Um, how about this one? Number three. How about someone trying to pray? Anybody see somebody trying to pray, but two people obviously not wanting to do it? They're, they're bringing their lunch, or or they're uh, having, what was the, what was the, oh, it's two women to the left who are talking about a mobile phone during the meeting. Or maybe it's some sort of religious ritual. And the last one. Well, I think it might be a husband and a wife. Uh, the husband's running out to the store while the wife is saying, here's $20, don't forget to stop at the... But that wasn't the store I was going to stop at. Um, hey, a woman giving some money to a man and claiming he wants more money. This is the only money I get. I work really hard around here. Uh, there's actually, if you go online, you can go to these NFL clips. Olivia was telling me about it. Um, we could just Google this all day and be here for a long time, but you can YouTube people who do a, a perfect dub over of NFL players, and they make up these crazy sentences for them, but their their lip sync is so exact that you are convinced that they're actually saying these things. It is awesome, don't do it now because you just won't be able to pay attention. The point is that there's a lot of people who view this from a lot of different ways, that everybody brings a different set of of lenses, if you will, to the table, and different lenses mean we get a different response. We interpret the picture differently because of these things and these lenses we wear. The, the, The fact is that That just by looking at a situation, we can't really see what's going on. Do you all agree with that? Just by looking at those pictures, we all saw different things. So we can't really see what's going on. So I would say that we have vision problems. I would say some of us might even be blind. Now, Jesus certainly used the word blind quite often, and very, very seldom did it refer to actual sight. And the stories we're going to look at today really demonstrate this. We're starting this series this fall with this I am and, and the thing is, is that Jesus says, I am, and he lists several titles for who he is. And this, the fact is that in Christ, we find who we are. We discover who we are. It's not by, by what we do. It's not by what we have. It's not by what our friends say or where we're from. It's not by any of these things, but it's actually in Christ we discover who we are. And so it's so important because it affects every piece of our lives. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, identity is always something that we have to deal with, that we have to struggle with, that we think about. But Jesus actually initiates a new understanding of identity when he comes on the scene. And we're going to look at, at John 9 and 10, and Jesus actually gives us some help with our vision problems. He gives us really three helps to improve the way we see. So as we're, we're going to start in John 9, I just want to open us in another word of prayer. God, I thank you for this morning and for your word. God, in a, in a week filled with um, life, filled with conversation, filled with challenges, filled with potentially distractions, God, I pray that in these moments that we would focus on your word and your spirit in this place. God, that you would interpret, that you would, you would convict, that you would comfort, that you would give us it, wisdom, insight, and God, the power to actually respond to your invitation. Amen. Well, in John 9, there's this scene. John's in the back. If you don't have a Bible or you don't want to use your phone, you can just go to the back or raise your hand. Someone will bring you a Bible. It's really cool. Jesus has been on the scene, he's been working with his disciples, he's been this rabbi that's been teaching in the countryside, in the cities, and now often he comes to Jerusalem, their capital city, for different festivals that are happening in the people that he's a part of, the religious people that he's a part of. And so John is linking a lot of these festivals to miracles that he's doing and these identity statements that he's been making. Last week, we looked at this idea that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and it's in response to this countermeasure that we say, you know, I am the actions of my life. I am the past things I have done. Jesus comes on and he says, I'm the light of the world, and I will shine light on that, expose that, and actually change that. Well, today, we look at things that that we can't have any control over. We see this scene where Jesus comes along, and he sees a man born blind, and his disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this might seem like a strange concept for us. Why in the world would someone think that? But the fact is that all of the, all of the culture of Jesus' day thought that if someone was blind or someone was suffering, it was because of sin, That there was always a link between sin and suffering. And so these disciples are asking a perfectly legitimate question. They just don't even see the lenses that they have. Jesus starts to say, you know, it's really not this man's sin or the parent's sin, but it's so that God and the works of God might be displayed, your text might say, or might be revealed, um, or might be brought to light in him. And as long as it's night, then... Or when, as long as it's daylight, I can do my work. But night is coming where I won't be able to do his work, he's saying. And, and the disciples really didn't understand that. And then he spits in the ground and he makes the mud and, 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 and then puts it on the man's eyes and says, go and wash. And we again go, what? But putting uh, an ointment or a salve on someone's eyes was considered a very common, very appropriate medical practice. You know the healthcare companies of the day—they had that totally within their standard operating procedures. If you look back through the text, little joke. But if you look back through the text, you'll see, um, put some salve on their eyes, go put an ointment on their eyes. We'll look at a text later from, from another letter that John wrote, and it says um, that you should buy some salve for your eyes so you can you can see. Now, if you're a mom, you know this because moms like have something happen to them while they're pregnant, Carrie, you know where I'm going, something happens to them, not just their belly expands, you know, their abdomen expands, but their spit actually changed from like regular saliva to 409 disinfectant. And, and they go like, yes, and they rub, and, and things come off that you would never understand, and there's your remedy. So, so Jesus is doing the common practice of the day. And yet... It it doesn't seem to work because, well, it works for the man. He's healed, but the people around him can't see it because they can't admit the lenses that they're looking through. See, if we want God to change the way we see, the first thing we need to do, the first help Jesus offers is admit the lenses that you have, the ones that you wear. I don't know if if you ever put one of these people that puts their pencil behind their ear, and then five minutes later, like, has anyone seen my pencil? Or maybe you wear glasses sometimes to read, and then you put them on the top of your head, and then you look around the house for an hour wondering where your glasses are. I mean, I don't do this, but we lost an iPad. An iPad in our house for over a year. I mean... We had turned this house upside down. We half-accused our nanny of stealing it. We're like, okay, what's going on here? And out comes the iPad from 18 months before this. "Uh, Daughter, where did you find that? Oh, I found it by the curling irons, you know, and the the towels. Because that's where iPads go, I guess. We couldn't even see what we didn't know we had. Jesus is asking us to admit the lenses we have. He starts it with this idea that the disciples were looking through the lens of the common practice of the day, the lens of society. Well, everybody thinks this, so it must be right. And Jesus says, no, it's not about this man's sin or his parents' sin. The the blind man's acquaintances, the neighbors, they look through the lens of history, like the man's past life. If you see in verse 8, we kept reading along, his neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him, begging, said, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Have you ever tried to change your identity or change your, your outfit? Or In adolescence, you started putting on different things or trying different things because you wanted to be a different person. And no matter how hard you tried, people wouldn't look at you differently. For years and years and years and years, I was a robbie. And as try as I might, all the way through high school, it just always stuck with me. Robbie. I got to college. I'm like, yes, I can finally be rid of this B-Y. And then my parents come and visit, and my mom shouts from the stands, hi, Robbie. And then it stuck forever. This guy is in the same boat. Try as he might, no matter what happens, he's like, no, no, I can see. I'm the man. No, it just looks like him. Totally discrediting him. Because they can't see past the past. But he wasn't alone. His parents come on the scene much later. We'll have to skip down to verse 18. The the he was brought before the religious leaders to confirm this miracle, and they didn't believe him, so they sent for his parents. Is this your son? Well, yes. Was he born blind? Yes. So can he see? We don't know. We're just too afraid. We're looking through the lens of community. And if we say, yes, he's healed, we're going to be out of the community. Verse 23. His parents, 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And that is why they said, He's of age. Ask him. His parents, in this lens of community, and really the fear of community, they they labeled him independent. And he ended up alone. His neighbors look through the lens of history, and they label him a beggar. The disciples they look through the lens of society and they just label him a sinner. And none of these things were things that he'd done. And yet, his whole life has been affected by these labels. And I would even say that that the labels became the lenses for this beggar to look through life with. Now think about that. Have you ever met someone whose label has become the lenses that they see the world through? Looks like this. Oh, because I'm, I'll never, because I'm, you know, only 4'11 in seventh grade, I'll never be a great basketball player. Or, or because I'm already five nine in seventh grade, I'll never be a great gymnast. Because my my third grade teacher said I was bad at math, I'll I'll never be good at it. You just think through your own list of things that someone has labeled you. Even these people that are supposed to help us, supposed to bring us closer to a, a God. Um, the God of the universe, the religious authorities of the day, they had these lenses of rules. And because Jesus had done this healing on their holy day, they had labeled Jesus a sinner. They, had, they continue to label Jesus further and further. But they start with that, and they say, therefore, we can't, even, we can't even count it. Verse 13. They brought the Pharisees, the man who'd been born blind, and because it was on the Sabbath... He asked him, how did they do it? The man tells them, he put mud on my eyes, and now I wash and now I see. Well, this man is not from God. They look through their lenses. They not only observe, but then they interpret and they judge. So I think we have to admit that unconsciously, each of us looks through some lenses. Usually they're about location, like where we're from. They're about our history, what we've experienced, and our personality, who we think we are. And this affects everything we see. Maybe you've seen a blonde woman, and you've thought she might be super intelligent. Oh, something else. Or or we've seen someone who's very overweight, and we've thought, they're lazy, they must be unhealthy. Or a dyslexic girl who's told that she's dumb and she'll always be a bad reader. Or a boy who can't sit still in class, because we never have boys who can't sit still in class, right? And they're labeled a troublemaker. And these things that that affect us, we can't change. But we would do anything to change them, right? That's where we get the second help, is this admit, what is the lens you want? What is the change? What is the thing you want to see through? What is the, the thing you want more than anything else? This label to go away, I've got to. If only I could be eight inches taller, then life would be great. If only I could be eight inches shorter, then life would be great. If only... I could change this, and then. What is that piece for you? Maybe it's because it limits something of your potential. Or maybe it's because it limits some of your friendships. See, this man, all he's known his whole life is that he's blind. Everyone has told him and labeled him, either a beggar or a blind person or you can you can't do this you can't do this you can't do this and he's got this tape running through his head and so the label that he thought he needed to get rid of was being blind so therefore if i could actually see then everything would be okay and so jesus makes this mud puts it on his eyes, and he has faith. It's a common practice of the day. Of course he does exactly what Jesus says, because what does he want more than anything else? To actually see. We do the same thing. We do the same kinds of things. And if that was true, though, if that was the solution, then then Jesus would have performed the miracle, and I think he would have been on his way. Jesus and his disciples would have been on his way. I think this man would have been on his way. And everything would have been fine. But it's not fine. You go through the whole story and you find out at the very end of it, the man is is in front of the religious leaders who can bring him back into the community and they say, no way, threw him out. And he's alone. And it says that Jesus, when Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out, he went and found him. So, said, do you believe in the Son of Man? This was a title that Jesus had given himself that he's used in his, in his teachings throughout this point. And so he asked him, do you believe? Is this actually what you want? See, in the second help, we have to admit that the lenses that we want are not the lenses we truly need that even if that thing that you think, that label that has stuck with you forever would be fixed, then you'd be okay? You wouldn't. This guy wasn't okay, even though he could actually see. It's a miracle. I mean, that's the whole reason they're discussing this, is no one has opened the eyes of someone born blind. There's no way that could happen, and it happens. But it's not the answer. We've got to admit that the lenses that we want are not truly the lenses we truly, truly need. Jesus says it very clearly in the next little section. Jesus says, For judgment, I have come into this world. Or, or I like the way the message says it. Jesus says, I have come into this world to bring everything into the light of day, making clear distinctions so that those who have never seen will see. And those who've made a great pretense about seeing will be blind. And some of the Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? And he says, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything, you're accountable for every fault and failure. See, think about this fact that Jesus starts this story and this miracle with this last week, I am the light of the world. And, and if Jesus is the light of the world, if Jesus shined l- brighter, right, have you ever, um, then, then that should help us to see. There's where the rest of that sentence was. So uh, in, in, in a past life, I, I used to train junior high Mission teams and high school mission teams to go out on mission trips, and we would have to do this um, blindfold activity. Uh, I found out from a couple of my friends that are corporate trainers that they do this in corporate world, and you put a blindfold on and then your coworker is supposed to lead you around the room. You can imagine that adults and, and students look very much the same and actually make very many of the same comments as soon as the the, the coworker like runs you into the desk and in or the chairs and hits your shins you can start imagining the kinds of thoughtful things that they say to each other but even if the lights were on if the blindfold is dark enough do you see that it's not going to help Jesus being the light of the world can't shine more light on the situation if we're blind we need a different remedy So we've got to admit that the lens that we want is not the one we truly need, and the one that we truly need is a spiritual sight. Not an actual sight, it's a spiritual sight. A spiritual sight changes the way we see God and the way we see the world. I mean, that's what worship is. Worship is this response to the fact that the God of the universe has risen from the dead and life will be completely different now. A new kingdom comes. A new rule is in order. New possibilities can happen. Jesus says to this man, when he comes to him after he's been kicked out, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, well, well, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And he says, I am, I am speaking to you. You're looking right at him. Don't you recognize his voice? And the man said, Master or Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. His view of the world, his orientation to how he saw the world and how he saw God totally changed. And it wasn't by sight. Did you hear it? Don't you recognize his voice? By hearing, the lens that we need is to stop listening or to stop looking and to start listening. That's the third help we need if we want to improve our spiritual sight. And Jesus gives us two two pieces to listening better. He says that he's the gate for the sheep. We don't really get it if we're from suburbia, but but in that time that the sheep would would go out with their shepherd. And there was a lot of times there was these massive communal pens that, that traveling shepherds would stay in. And so each shepherd could actually stand at the gate by the gatekeeper, and call out to his sheep, and they would recognize the one distinct call from that shepherd, and they would all come in to this communal pen, and then they would just kind of run around next to each other, and for the whole night be safe in this gate that would close, and then in the morning when they would go out to pasture, each shepherd would go out of the gate and would call to his sheep, and only the sheep that recognized his call would go out, and they would filter out. It's like magic, but it was because... The sheep knew the shepherd's voice. When we listen, we can recognize the voice of the one who helps us spiritually see. Jesus says, not only that, he's the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Because isn't the problem if you've ever done that blindfold relay or that blindfold activity, isn't the problem that you don't trust your coworker. You don't trust that crazy seventh grade girl that, you know, has called you names for two years and then runs you into the wall, right? Well, maybe that's just me. But Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. You can trust me. I will care for you. I will protect you. I know my sheep and I love my sheep. Sheep. It really gets us to this place of question, of vision test. Do you see with your own eyes? Or do you trust in what Jesus says and what Jesus does? Because he'll give you a new identity. He'll change the way you see the world. John, much later in life, writes a letter to a church that had lost its sight. In Revelation 3, he says to a church that had lost its way, you guys say that you're rich, that you've acquired wealth, and you don't need anything, but you don't realize that you're poor. You don't realize that you're blind. You don't realize that you're naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me, Jesus says, so that you can be rich. Clothes to wear, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And then he says, those who I love, I discipline. So be earnest and turn to me. He says, I stand at the door, which is the same word as the gate, and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they will with me. In a moment, we're going to take communion. Communion is an opportunity for us to say, to Jesus, I trust you. I believe in you. You are Lord. I want you to change the way I see. Anyone who says yes to Jesus as Lord is welcome at this table. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you've done or how people have labeled you. So as the worship team comes up, I invite you to just think about how Jesus needs to invite you to the table today. What might he say to you? And how might you need to respond? Father, thank you for this, your, these stories and your word and the reminder that these lenses so affect how we see the world. And yet, when we see who you really are, Jesus, it completely changes the way that we see you and that we see the world. God, tell us the labels that we've been that we've been believing. Tell us the ones that are lies. Help us to see by hearing your voice. God, if there's things that come up in our lives that, that rub against us, that make us not want to trust you, God, I pray that you would, you would give us that voice of you as the gate, of you as the shepherd, these strange old religious symbols, God, that would somehow make sense to us today. That we would recognize, that we would trust and that we would respond.